clubhouse. Welcome back to our coverage of This Is Us. This is Paul. This is Caroline. And tonight we're going to talk about the 14th episode of the fifth season. This one was called The Music and the Mirror. I was really feeling the music during Beth's portions. I really had a lot of like emotion with it. It felt so sad. It reminded me of The Leftovers composer Max Richter. And I'm not somebody who goes around knowing composers' names, okay? I'm not that girl. So for me to remember and actually think back to his music and think about that like swelling that you get in your heart when you hear music that is so similar to his, I was feeling it. Like I got all the sense of loss that was in this music. You're talking about the piano pieces that were underlying the uh, flashback sequences Absolutely. Uh, that started off the episode. Yes. I don't know how to pronounce that either. I'm going to go with Kunzite, but uh, we're just making that up. It could be completely (laughs) something else. Yeah, I used Siri to tell me who did it. And so unfortunately, I don't have a super great pronunciation, but we will put it in our show notes because I think that it's something that you could put on if you're having a particularly ennui-filled day, I would say. You could put it on and feel like, I don't know, it's one of those songs that just is sort of like... It gets you from your toes all the way up to your head, you know, like you start feeling that like swell in your heart. Whereas Max Richter's music may make you feel like someone's about to die. <laughs> so, Well, you know, let's jump into Beth's story because I think death and the death of a dream is 1000% what her storyline was about. And I thought they did a beautiful job paralleling her early years with ballet all the way through her story with Randall and how that basically came to resolution. And then also the opening and closing of her dance studio. I saw it the same way that this was a a relationship with the death of her dream, having to live it twice. However, just because this storyline takes place in the current timeline doesn't mean that we don't have aspects of it spoiled in the future timeline in which we see that she has a dance studio again now so that beautiful dance studio that far exceeds her like stinky remember the animals in the walls rental space clark school of dance so this makes me think that this was the creators offering us a a slice of today's life the the actuality of as beth says it lots of people have lost their businesses uh thanks to the pandemic and her her school was susceptible if no one can come i thought they did a really beautiful job though with with the music and then just slowly watching it slip away watching the them go from in person with the masks down to the zoom meetings get smaller and smaller and then dwindle and then the last one you know hit the button to end the session and it was just so final and so just without fanfare you know i mean it was just like Bam, disconnect. I was a little disappointed that not even one of the little girls said thanks, Beth, or something to acknowledge that this relationship was over. I guess in a way, the way that she hung up that sign at the end and said this is like it's indefinitely closed. I want to think maybe she left on that Zoom note as like a maybe we'll be back, you know, that kind of thing, because it was the progression later that she hung the actual sign on the on the door. Yeah. So I want to think that you're right. I felt like, God, ladies, you know, you just kind of zapped out. 
But at the same time, I mean, isn't that a little bit how cold things have gone during COVID times where there's relationships that you had day in and day out and then just one day you didn't and there was there was no fanfare. There's been a lot of relationships. I can say for myself, friendships and people that I used to see every single day or at least on the regular that kind of as unceremoniously as the dancers, you know, it just is like disconnect. It's nothing bad. No one has like ill will or anything. It's just we're all really overwhelmed with what's going on right now and we almost can't have the energy or the extra to to go around and like mourn individual relationships right now. Like there's just so much bigger things going on that it's just it's hard. I really felt horrible to watch this business go down the way it did. Ordinarily in these in these stories like for instance with the Kate and Toby story, I put that as a Katobi story because it's both of them. Mm-hmm. This is not Randall's day. Yes. Randall is having a meeting with an important person today, and that's not the story. That's true. Well, I think that that's that's part of the focus, though. Again, like going back to the whole like everybody's got their own thing going on. I really enjoyed the small moments with Beth when she's like found that clover in there, like when she's eating the the Lucky Charms. I think those small moments and the blinders that we have on about what's going on with other people. I think that's why Beth was laughing so much when the interview just kind of goes completely awry for her. It just feels like everybody has blinders on and like the person she's supposed to be having this meeting on like didn't even take into account all the work that Beth had done to get herself ready for this interview and have this conversation. And she was so ready to be just like, oh, well, just schedule it for another day. As if Beth hadn't expected and had all these anticipation about this day. Nobody cares what anyone else is doing. You know what? You bump me. Fuck you. (laughs) That's how Beth was. And that's the thing. That's why she's laughing so hard because it's like, this is so comical. And in a way, I respect Beth. Beth is of similar age to us. And I only just recently had something that I read where they were like, people think about themselves so much more than they ever think about you. So if you're like at a a conversation with someone else, you have zero reason to feel self-conscious. They're not thinking about you at all. They're only thinking about themselves. They're thinking about the next thing they're going to say. How do they look? What are they doing? So if you just like release that fact and like don't even worry about what you're doing, just enjoy yourself. That's almost why Beth was like laughing because it was like she was in her own head about making sure her blazer just looks so and blah, blah, blah. This is a joke. This woman wasn't even thinking about me. And it was something that she had forced herself to do the, that no one else in the house was saying, you, you must go do this. It was all internal motivation, internal pressure that was making her get to this point where she was just blown off anyway. So yeah, I think I would have started laughing too, actually. I, and honestly, again, because I feel like- I've I'd laughed be, at inopportune times. <laughs> I feel exactly how she did. Like if someone told me I had a job interview that I had to sit through or even an informational conversation, I would have to go dig out some nonsense and dust it off, literally dust it off, try to make myself look professional because it has been so long since I had to sit in that chair, it would seem like, I can't believe I did all this. I can't believe I hyped myself up to the point of like having this moment. And then this is all it was. Ugh, they nailed it in terms of all the things that we do to ourselves to deal with our own anxiety and get in our own head. When in reality, nobody cares. Nobody cares. She could have just worn like a plain shirt and it wouldn't have mattered. I have to wonder about the Beth story this week in terms of the original season five plan versus the 
COVID impacted season five plans since this closing the school was obviously a COVID related issue. Then was this always a Beth episode? Was it always, cause like I just said, we know that she gets the school back. Otherwise they'd have to retcon the fact that she's out of school in the future, which they're not going to do. What do you think? Did we get, is this like shoehorned in here in this way? Do you, do you think we were due for a Beth story? Were you like, you know what? I haven't had a full on Beth story in a while, even though we had Felicia Rashad earlier, and those are well, always Felicia bad Rashad stories. Lives with them now, right? Yeah, right? And exactly. So, and she and the other two girls were no shows in this episode. Obviously, when Fogelman sat down and said, "I have five seasons laid out for you on season one," there's absolutely no way, unless he had a crystal ball, and if he did, shame on him for not warning the rest of us about COVID that this was coming. So, there's no way that this storyline existed when he said he had this all laid out. So now it's possible that he could have had her business go under for a variety of reasons. But I think you're right. If it's This Is Us and you're trying to be relevant, what are most people going through right now? Or what is a slice of the pie of people going through right now? Well, there's a lot of small businesses going under. We could represent that through who? It could have been the blind school. It could have been, you know, a small private school. Mm -hmm. You know, we see Toby's work. He's been laid off. And now we have Beth. Well, okay, she's an opportunity to to be that person. And I kind of think that's how it works these days. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I kind of think that they look for different slices of the pies of what's going on right now. For whatever reason, they've decided to become like super topical into right now and be in today's society. So in that case, anything that goes around, I mean, if something happens tomorrow, I think it wouldn't be crazy if you were to see something come down the pike. If it was something big and meaningful to a big slice of the pie, I don't think they would ignore it. That's something that I'm getting more and more interested in. Creative properties, such as TV shows and movies, uh, incrementally becoming platforms for messages in such a way that it's starting to outweigh story. I don't think we're at that point with This Is Us, but you see it out there. Okay, so we're watching Handmaid's Tale, and I'm not going to go into any gigantic detail for any of our listeners because I don't want to spoil anything, but certainly in the last couple of episodes in the current season, there's been some things that feel like they could look directly into the camera and be like, it's legal now in New York. (laughs) Like, there's certain messages that they're clearly trying to get across that almost comes off like a public service announcement. I don't have anything against it because I don't mind the message that they're they're trying to say. But at the same time, it's like, okay, <laughs> well, you know, you feel that way so far. A thousand percent. I mean, I you know, I'm not really somebody who's going to get overly offended really about whatever they're going to say in these types of shows. I think that you bring up a really good point. I'm ever so curious about what Beth's storyline would have been? What would have Toby's storyline would have been had the pandemic not come along? What would any of our stories be without the pandemic? Who knows? Lord knows I was thinner, stronger, happier girl a year ago than I am right this second. So who knows what my story would have looked like? Your job has changed significantly for the good for us, but changed significantly. What would have happened without this? We don't know. You know, on the topic of overly preachy people, oh, I know that you had some issue with certain purveyors of truth in this week's episode. Well, I have to say, you guys, having three teenagers in our house and it being pandemic times where we're very cozy with one another, I had a lot of issue with 
our friend Deja and teenage Kate, because both of them were in positions to talk to parents. And for me, they were too big for their britches. (laughs) They were saying stuff that they had no business saying. We watched this episode twice. And I have to say on rewatch, Randall was much more forceful than the first time I felt like I watched it. The first time I was like really taken aback when she was instructing him about how to be a husband, what to say to his wife and blah, blah, blah. I was like, girl, you better step off because I've been in that situation and I have told the person, you are not in my marriage. You have no idea what you're talking about and you need to step away. No one should try to instruct you on something like that, unless you're asking for advice. But if you're not, back up. So I really dislike that. But on second watch, he was much more like, nope, where's my wife? And you're wiser than me. Where's my wife? He was stronger the second time I heard it. First time, ooh, I was off the handle. I did not appreciate any of it. And we'll get into the Kate portion when we get there. I saw what you meant, though. And at first, it felt like just sort of like an awkward line that that the actress had to say. But on the second time, I was like, you know what? I've been married to this woman about 20 years. I think I know what I'm going to do when I see her. Just tell me where she is. Yeah, and it was too far. There's nothing like I can do she, to save this. If she it's, wanted it's a to, done deal. If Deja wanted to put her hand on his hand on the couch and say, just listen to her in kind of like a casual way, like maybe just listen because she seemed like she could really just use someone listening. That would have seemed less like preachy, right? But that whole, she doesn't need a hero, Randall, and you need to just go. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're like wagging your finger at this guy. Like, what are you doing? I, I don't appreciate it. They did do a way of kind of shoehorning in her storyline with Jennifer and Malik without showing us anything. She said like three or four sentences that like caught us completely up That's with all Jennifer I need. and Malik. We're caught up. But it was like in reference to her advice to him because it was all Malik knows just to wait until I'm ready to talk about it. So that's the way you should handle Like it was very woven in. All right. But still, I would shut this down so fast. Did you feel like anything else before we move off of Beth? I mean, did you feel like they did a great job of showing how she has had this dream squelched twice? And the extremes, I mean, watching her throw away all of her toe shoes really broke my heart. Like watching her put them in the the black trash bag. I was like, you know, as a girl who's got toe shoes myself, I'm like, they're in my box. Like I don't dance anymore, but like I wasn't throwing them in the trash. Like this really hurt my heart. I think we could still find your uh, varsity cleats if we looked hard enough. Well, I don't think you have to look hard at all. I think that's exactly (laughs) where they are. I mean, yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying though. Like, her dream was squelched. My, I, I played out my dream to a, to a successful ending. There was no, I wasn't going professional, you know? <laughs> so that wasn't a thing. Like I ended on my own terms, I guess. And she didn't, you know, she never got to where she wanted to be. Obviously she brings in the mirrors portion as well. What did you think about that part when she's talking to Randall's and about all the, the flaws, basically? What I got out of it was just that she has put so much into dance and the mirrors represent this tool where she has been super hard on herself about just the smallest infractions. It all amounted to at at that point in her life, nothing that she could, that she could take away from it. What did you get? The way that dreams can be missed by fractions of an inch felt very real to me. We've discussed this many times on this podcast, but us having preemies as young as they were, as little as they were, I mean, those fractions of degrees, days earlier and they wouldn't be here, days later and they might be healthier. 
fractions of degrees are like how our lives paths are determined. I did appreciate, you know, that message. I thought there were a couple of poignant moments in this episode. Actually, I know that you didn't find it to be as elevated as other episodes, but I still felt like it had its moments. And that was one. I think that she's very right. Small, small choices. Somebody joins the dance company that is just, just tiny, weeny little bit better than you, or somehow your body shape is just an inch too wide or you're a little too short, just whatever. It's all just on those tiny little fractions. Right. I could never be a jet fighter pilot because I have bad eyesight. That's a good example, Paul. (laughs) There's there's kind Uh, of a couple of other things, reasons why, but here, (laughs) let's say it's your eyesight. Really held me back. (laughs) But so, yeah, so all in all, I thought they did a good job with Best Story, and I don't know that I needed, I mean, I know it was important to pull together the slow dance with Randall as young adults to pull together the slow dance with Randall as now, but. And there was a mirror. And there was a, there's lots of mirrors. And they danced to music. Well, that's the title of the show is the mirror and the music. I know the music's the other person, but still. I see what you're saying. Pardon me for wrecking your title joke. I don't know why this is going to sound so silly, but. I needed that less because somehow I really just wanted to have this journey with Beth. And just how you started this conversation when you said you were calling the other section Katobi, I'm not calling this Bandle, okay? I was okay with just talking about Beth and not necessarily Randall's injection there at the end. Oddly, as though I know many viewers are going to say, but that was the most beautiful part was him coming in and not saying anything, but just dancing with her. And I agree with you that it was a moment, but I also have a little bit of a feeling that it changed the story. It made it less about Beth being resilient and Beth having a dream once when she was young and coming back and having the bravery and the courage to do it again. And it's still getting squelched on her. I didn't need Randall to really be a part of it, frankly. Yeah, well, he didn't figure into the first tragic let down. I mean, he does figure into this one just in in like a support role. Would you have preferred that she just lock it up and take her shit out to the car and that's it? Not in an ugly way, but just in a, it was her business. She was the one who was wanting to do the grand opening. Do you remember? And then like Randall showed up, remember? And she was kind of like wanting to do it on her own. Mm-hmm. So I remember back at that grand opening portion and it was really all about Beth. Remember, she put on that really beautiful dance. Randall kind of got in the, in, the, in the way because he yes. was arguing with mom. And he was kind of stepping on toes. Like everybody was like stepping on Beth's toes is kind of my point. And she ultimately was the star of the show. Do you remember her dancing in the parking lot? Dancers need toes. But Randall didn't go out there and dance with her is my point. He didn't go out there and they played a slow song and the grand opening was them slow dancing for Beth's dance opening. Do you see what I'm saying? It was Beth dancing. There's a part of me that just wanted it to be her dream, her conclusion. They could have danced at home. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think that would have been more appropriate. Let her have the moment herself. Well, no do-overs in TV. <laughs> What's done is done. It is done. The next most poignant thing for me, I guess because it spoke to me more, was actually the Toby stuff more than the Kate stuff. But the Kate stuff's pretty important. Who would you like to cover first? Let's do the Kate stuff first. Kate stuff 
Let's start with her flashback. The flashbacks are relating to her blowing off Olivia at Rebecca's office. So I was taking that as blowing off uh, this idea that she was going to be mini-me Rebecca and did not want to have this office job life, which in a way I'm kind of like, Rebecca, really? The main thing we know about Kate is how much she loves music and she wanted she was at this record store and all this stuff. Like, why wouldn't she want to go work at basically anywhere with music? I mean, an office seems like really a bad match. I think when you're a parent and you have a kid that's flailing, crisis mode, just barely moves like Kate post-Jack, you're looking for any port in that storm. And Olivia said, I'll give her a shot. (laughs) That's good enough to at least try something. And at the end of the day, she did get a job. She didn't get it with Olivia. But I thought this was kind of a clever way to get us to the waitress job because we know based on a really long time ago, flashback to their early 20s when we saw almost one of the very first adult Kate flashbacks. We see her as a waitress in a diner in LA. Yeah. And it was always like, whoa, how did she get here? And I think this was a pretty cool bridge that they created of how you go from sitting on the couch and having this horrible relationship and everything she went through and then wanting to not become her mom. And so she ends up at this waitress gig at a diner, and it seems super obvious how she goes from that to the same gig in L.A. Now, the rest of this, though, I think that there's a little bit of a parallel with the Beth story in that there's sort of a a past tense and and a present tense addressing of of this issue that's been running through your whole life for Beth. It's it's her relationship with dance and her kind of sense of self with Kate. It's her relationship with her mom. And in this case, though, things wound up okay. It was like Kate finally grew up to that point where she she could say the things that her mom needed to hear. It was like a reconciliation. It was, but it gave me the heebie-jeebs, Paul, because it was like a really nice reconciliation and a really nice bit of closure with a big fat red bow with beautiful little seeing impaired children singing. That scares me because it feels so perfect. Rebecca didn't have a bad sentence. She didn't have a moment of confusion. There was nothing that went wrong between her and Kate, nor with any of Rebecca's illness. I was kept side glancing to you like, I don't understand. In sequence to the story we've been told, Rebecca is in pretty bad shape at this point. She's already wandered away from the cabin. She's had a lot of problems remembering things. This is all too perfect. There's a few stories that I've read from Stephen King where he will take advantage of his role as the writer to address the reader in a way that's that he doesn't do very often, where it's sort of this omniscient narrator voice where he will address the reader directly, like you. I'm talking to you. He'll do this diabolically and say something like, if you want to stop reading the story right now and remember these characters right like this, then do that. Because what's going to happen next, you may not like. Whoa. I can't help but get that kind of echo 
in my head when I see such a perfect reconciliation, knowing where we're headed in a pretty short amount of time, if there's only one season of TV left. Wow. That's a lot, especially the idea of like, if you love these characters, turn off your TV set now. Like that is scary, but you're right. Okay. So for those of you guys who who wouldn't know this about me, Texas has a gigantic school for the blind and I sat on the board of trustees. So I was like on the school board for 11 years. So when anyone is sitting around thinking like, well, this isn't real about them being this beautiful choir or any of these things, I can tell you that we had some of the most talented kids ever doing beautiful uh, recitals and performances throughout so many years. So I can tell you that I'm sure there will be viewers who are blown blown away from this. And I don't want to say I wasn't blown away by it. I totally was, but it wasn't, it wasn't unrealistic to me when they had that moment, which was obviously very touching and such a full circle moment for Kate with this career and her passion and finding a way to pass it on within now her own world, you know, being a a mom with a child with special needs. I think that it's really awesome that she managed to find a way to like weave both of those little journeys together. Mm -hmm. But man, you're so right. It feels like we're 30 seconds from a bomb exploding in the car. You know, like it definitely feels like (sighs) it's too perfect. It's too beautiful of a day. You know, it just went all so well. Caroline and I were trying to recall, but I'll just throw out there that I'm pretty sure Joni Mitchell is her favorite singer. Yeah. Going back to the impromptu trip with Jack out to L.A., if I recall correctly, they went and found Joni Mitchell's house or something to that effect. Joni Mitchell figured into Rebecca's story before. So that's where that came from. That wasn't just out of the blue. And just incidentally... If you are out there wondering how it is that they teach blind children to read music, they use Braille for kids that can't use enlargements. And if you think that sounds hard, you're darn right it is. Caroline and I have actually sat in on a just a workshop on how it's done. Uh, you know, I, I knew how to read music going into it, but I, I was so impressed that anybody can pick that up and learn anything because it was just so hard. So those kids, I'm sure there's a variety of ways that they would be taught the music. But if one of those ways is annotated musical Braille, dude. Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing. It's really amazing. But just getting back to the larger Rebecca and Kate storyline, their journey has successfully concluded, folks. I mean, I think that this is what we get, whether Kate has something tragic happen or if this is now at the point that they're going to allow Rebecca to to start really declining. I really think this is the setup for that. If they had time to address the other children in the same way. But then it occurred to me that no one else really has mommy issues, quote unquote, as Kate does. The boys don't have that same need. They they might need to say things to her, but they don't really need to say, I'm sorry I was a mean, shitty kid to you my whole life. No, it's the Rebecca and Kate relationship that needed to be addressed before. I mean, so you can feel there's like full closure. Because for one parent, she didn't have the full closure. You know, there was a lot of things that she still was like trying to mend from. And so I think it's a nice um, yin yang that she will have gotten like full closure with mom. Because we've seen what it's like for Kevin not to have it with Jack. Well, and remember they had that really nice time at um, when they were away and they had gone to the little like spa 
pool area, remember? And they had the conversation in the pool mm-hmm. and that was really nice. And, and she found out so much more like they, they've had, this has been, you know, a journey for them. They've had these steps. Absolutely. I think so. It didn't come out of nowhere. Certainly. Let's move on to what else is going to happen with Kate, because I think that she is about to have a much more maybe unexpected problem on her hands with our good friend Toby. None of the plot matters. The only thing that matters is the conversation with his dad, played by Dan Loria, who we all, at least people our age, all remember as the dad from The Wonder Years. As soon as I see him, every time I'm like, Jack Arnold! Jack Arnold. (laughs) And his line, the people look where the leak is, but it's the pressure that'll get you. That really resonated with me. I don't always let the pressure out personally on like an interpersonal level. Yeah, it just really is like, Jack, or whatever your name is in the show. <laughs> Toby's dad slash right. Kevin's dad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that was the line that really struck a chord with me. I mean, I felt like, oh my God, that's a really important line because it's so true. And what's crazy to me is the amount of times a person can say to other people, like, I feel like I'm struggling. I feel overwhelmed. And people consistently will be like, you're fine. You're doing a great job. That's exactly when the pressure's going. And the only time anyone ever starts to pay attention to you is when there's a leak. When you finally bust You know, your proverbial pipe explodes and you're gushing all over the place. That's the only time anyone will pay attention to you, even though the pressure's building. I'm feeling the pressure. I'm feeling the pressure. And what's the most horrible thing, and I think this is especially for women, although I've got to say in speaking to more men because of the podcast, I think that this is now universal. The amount of guilt that everyone feels about taking any time for themselves, whether it be travel, whether it be to pursue their a personal dream that they have that's outside their family or outside their friends. The pressure that I see building in people, the idea that selfishness or laziness or any of these things become like the vocabulary we use with ourselves versus really taking time to be like, no, I have to deal with this pressure because otherwise I'm going to be the leak. I'm going to blow, you know, I'm going to really just come through the ceiling. It's really, really important for people to hear what old Jack Arnold has to say. (laughs) I don't know how deeply you took it, but I took it hard. I'm at a different stage of life than Toby. You know, we were about the same age, but he has two little babies, whereas I don't. And so it means something else to me. But if you were to tell me when I was the father of two little babies, take a little time for yourself, that'll just fix things. I think I'd be like, you need to go fuck a duck. Well, people did say that to us. I mean, they would say, you should take a vacation while the kids are like in the NICU. And I I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, (laughs) we are spending, like, seriously, people would tell us that. Go, you should take this time. Take a vacation. And I would say the same thing over and over again. You cannot take a vacation from your brain. And so, yeah, we could physically remove ourselves from the hospital, but the children are all we're going to be thinking about. So we both have high blood pressure. They, the doctors <laughs> both say, you know what you need? Less stress. And we just smile and say, no shit. <laughs> and also like, good luck with that. You know, we've also both seen therapists on our own and together to be like, how can we deal with chronic stress? And, and the end of the day is you can't because it's ongoing. And so 
so taking care of yourself and taking small breaks, again, having those moments that other people look at you and be like, well, you're being very lazy or you're being very selfish because you don't attend every single obligation that you are supposed to, or you don't, you don't bend over backwards every single time you had the opportunity to. Instead, you're like, you know what? I'm going to actually not do that. I'm going to pull back and do something a little bit different. People get really annoyed at that, partially because I think they're giving so much of themselves. It sort of feels like curses. How did you get out of it? (laughs) You know, like, why are you taking time out? Well, I didn't take time out for myself. We're unrelated. Here's the thing. I only have six seconds this week of free time and you've scheduled your kid's birthday during my six seconds. I'm afraid I'm going to have to take my six seconds. And we have to stop feeling sorry about that. I mean, I get it. You know, I get it that everybody needs everybody at the birthday parties and all that kind of stuff and we'll send a lovely gift. There's like limits and we're more willing to put our foot down for limits than we ever were before. I feel like we went to everything, did everything, showed up, had the gifts, put on the party face, cooked before, cleaned up after for everybody, everything for all these years. Wore the clown suit. Literally, it might have been a bunny suit. And I think especially as everybody's gotten older, especially our own kids, we can see that it makes a difference. It makes a difference. We took this Mother's Day weekend very slow and I had a ton of things that I was invited to go do. I know I upset a lot of people by not going to do various things, but the reality was when I was sitting there with my kids at the park, having a snow cone and chilling out and having my kids laughing and talking with me, I was like, I made the right decision. Had we been rushing around, had we been making other plans, had I been trying to get out of here to go to something else, it wouldn't be like this. This is an encouragement to everybody. Parents or not, whatever your story is, take some time out and realize that it's not selfish to get to know yourself. You know, I don't think we're obligated to um, spend more time getting to know other people than we are ourselves. What good are you to them? I don't know. You're just like a a little vessel of empty sadness. (laughs) But you know what? Toby here. Oh, Paul. I mean, we know the pressure that's building up. It's this entire job situation. What do you think? I loved it, the fact that they had dad be like, are you off your meds? Like, it's just that cut and dry. The meds thing is is a severe issue with Toby and the absence of a full-time job. Sometimes comes hard decisions about which medications you want to continue. I would say always comes with that decision, right? I mean, insurance, medical care, prescriptions, we all always had to go for a med check. You can't just get that. You've got to go pay that doctor's copay to get your next prescription. We all know. So now what? You go pay the $50, dollars $200 just to get the pills to keep you even? You might just try St. John's wort, uh, turmeric. Uh, <laughs> you might know, uh, no, what is it? Like cinnamon and stuff supposed to like lower your, your blood sugar and whatnot. Like there's a lot of different things. A little things. B12, yeah. uh, you know, uh, glucosamine, <laughs> chondroitin. <laughs> Toby's in a really bad spot. I think they did a very good job of reminding the audience with dad's comment that he takes medication. Well, and they off camera have not been very cagey about the idea that for one reason or another, Kate and Toby are not married in the future tense scenes. Again, just like we know that Beth eventually gets a dance studio at some point in the future, we also know something goes off the rails for one reason or another with Toby and Kate. So I'm not looking forward to that, but this is definitely, again, setting us up for something pretty monumental, I believe. So that finishes a lot of Katobi. That finishes Katobi and... 
You know what I wanted to say? I appreciated a little bit of realism by bringing the neighbor over and having Jack in the pack and play and having him like sit there and kind of like chit chat with Toby. I liked that. I felt like that was much more realistic. The first time around when we watched, I was like, where are the kids? Where are the kids? I kept being like, feeling like we weren't seeing enough of the kids. Cause I was joking with you. Like, sure. One of us as a stay at home parent would have had all day long without kids underfoot to deal with a problem in the kitchen where you can't bathe anyone and you can't be cooking anything. Like this is a gigantic disaster in a normal, ordinary day of a stay at home parent with two little kids. So I appreciated the neighbor and having everyone there. I like the neighbor. I think he's so funny. He's always got some little remark. You know, we have access to the screeners and we have, you know, obviously the the live performance to see, not the live, but, you know, the aired television episode. It's interesting that I can see the spots where they have done the movie tricks to join people together to make them look closer than they were than when they made it. Okay. And I think baby Jack was not that close. I think baby Jack was separated by whatever the halo is that they might use for little actors. In reality, right, he was maybe six feet away. In reality, he probably was, but I mean, in visually, no, I think the neighbor could have reached his hand out to the pack. Well, see, and I think that they might have been joined. That makes sense. And you said you thought the same thing when Kate and Rebecca were sitting on the couch at the bridal dress shopping. Yeah, I think that they were more like 10 feet apart on this very long couch and they were just just joined kind of like in the in the Lord of the Rings movies using like just movie tricks and and like um, perspective to make them look closer. Interesting. Well, let's talk about let's go from let's go over to Kate, Rebecca and Madison doing our dress shopping. So most of that story, really, except for Madison's dad, really was just pretty relaxed conversation between Rebecca, Kate and Madison, which was nice to see, though. And we're starting to see how Madison has, you know, started to form a relationship with Kevin's mom and not Kate's mom, as she called her. I think that it was kind of cool that they pointed out the fact that she had this previous relationship with Rebecca that now needed to transform a little bit because now she's becoming Kevin's wife and not just like a friend of the family kind of thing. So I'm glad that they bothered to take a moment and have them like actually express some concerns of Madison about, you know, taking on this new role. Do you think that they handled that well with Rebecca and her and and bringing in these parents who we kind of always said, like, where's Madison's family? Well, we got that backstory that um, if you weren't paying attention to Madison's story before, because you always thought she was just Kate's friend. (laughs) (laughs) Then now, you know, mom ran out and dad wasn't a great dad Mm -hmm. and continues to be not a very good dad, especially unless they're getting married like next week or her dad is like an oil rig worker and goes away for like six weeks at a time or something, which is, you know, fairly plausible for what that guy must be what 60 something. Sure. Um, <laughs> right, he's fighting oil fires <laughs> on an oil rig in Kuwait. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. He's uh, in the Gulf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then there are very few work emergencies that just spring to mind that are very plausible for you know missing hold, hold a on, planned hold on. You wedding. You know what I'm just realizing? Okay, so <laughs> we're in Houston. We're in the oil, oil industry. Maybe people don't know how laughable it is that a 60-year-old man's not on a rig. So maybe we should point that out, that like that is a very much a young man's job. Okay? I mean, there's a couple. 
like someone's got to run the place. Okay, but, but like it's very improbable. It's, we're making it's less us crack likely. up. Okay, it's less but likely. It's not. They're the roughnecks, as we all <laughs> love to call them, are uh, much younger men, and you know they have to be. They're dangerous. It's a physical job. Like yeah, it's not. It's not it's for long the, hours. It's not for the sixty-year-old men no. folk. I thought it was really uh, kind of funny and then also like a little like, what are they doing with the entire Meghan Markle overlay? Because, you know, Meghan Markle's dad in real life was like really a flake and did all this mess too and got involved with the magazines and the tabloids and was going to come and then didn't come to the wedding and just the whole thing. And then her calling her dress Megan and it was funny and when she was like who am I kidding I'm not a Megan I'm a Pippa at best I cracked up at that because you know I'm all about the Royals Paul okay <laughs> so I was like oh you got me you got me Fogelman with your Pippa talk Pippa like, was hot business for a day I don't remember her caboose Woo! I mean it's still legendary <laughs> The cut of that ivory <laughs> gown. Yowza. Those buttons lay just right. <laughs> uh, I bet Kate Middleton's dresses have pockets. Oh, you know what? J'adore over here that she goes, it has pockets. I was like, yes, queen. That is it. That is the only thing I can do. I just had to wear a dress recently. Literally, all I said was, it has pockets. I was like dancing around. Like, I don't want to make a big scene out of it. And I don't really care how long it or short it is. And I don't really care how it fits anywhere else. Because guess what? It has pockets. That was it. I actually mentioned it at a funeral. <laughs> I had pockets. I was like, I don't want to make a big deal. But I'm very sorry. It has pockets. It's also my dress has pockets. Yeah, I actually told somebody that who really was confused. Like, why are you telling me this? But I know. But it's true, you guys. Although I have to say that it was kind of funny that uh, Madison's pockets were sheer. I thought that was really funny. When she stuck her hands in the pockets, I was like, girl, those pockets are useless. But that was funny. Anyway, I thought her dress was pretty. I, I appreciated that the princess gowns and the overly fussy gowns were not her way and the more simple, and I would say more mature gown, was the one for her that suited her best. Well, it was off-white, whereas the princess one was pure white. Yeah, but she was also wearing, a, like, a crown, and it was, I mean, it was very Disney princess, so I appreciated that they were like, nah, 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 nah. Which, you know what? I don't know anything about Madison's taste. Like, she could have totally been like, I want the tiara, and I want, like, a wand and gloves up to my elbows, you know? She could have asked for anything, so I didn't know what she was going to do, so I thought this was very refined for the likes of her. So good on Madison. Good on Madison. So it turned out well, which I'm glad because Kevin had a no good, very bad day. You know, the movie business is something that we had commented on before about when is this behavior going to catch up with him? Apparently today. Today was the day <laughs> that it's going to catch up with him. Which honestly, I was kind of glad for because... Oftentimes, I know that people complain that Kevin has very little consequences for his actions. We all scoffed when he made it through the airport security with nary a piece of ID. We all thought this stuff was silly, right? So when you actually had his agent lay out like, you walked off on your hit TV series, you walked off on a play, you walked off on a movie set with De Niro, you got some bad juju around you. I was like, yeah, I didn't even remember all those things yeah, this stuff should start catching up with him. Now, here's the thing. Again, we have the future. We know he's got the cabin. We know it's pretty space age looking. And, uh, you know, I was just saying, Paul, in another podcast that 
I can't wait till we're actually in the space age. And you know what I'm going to say? This is very now technology. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise we just always say, this is very space age technology. When I'm like living on Mars, I'm going to be like, this is very now technology, you guys. <laughs> I'm going to make that comment quite a bit. I digress. You did. You I did digress, digress just Well, then. I'm going to digress from that, from a space age technology talk and just say that, you know, I don't know where they're going with this I, because we do have the flash forward. We do know that he's still successful. I don't know what they're doing with his career here. Well, they can make it hurt for a while. If you think about in reality, someone with his same resume, you know, someone that's had a good movie, someone that's been on a popular TV show but is still in sort of that middle range of fame, but then shows up in a stinker of a movie. Mm -hmm. They might not work for a year or two based on stink lines and, and perception, you know? We know an awful lot of people that we love during our 80s and 90s movies that have kind of a rough go. You know what is so weird, Paul? Can I just tell you this? What? I just recently watched Weekend at Bernie's. That was so weird because I'm also just watched Good Girls. And in this season of Good Girls, Jonathan Silverman and Andrew McCarthy are on it. Holy shit. I was like, Weekend out. Good Girls? Like, this is crazy. I know, isn't that nuts? But again, where's Jonathan Silverman been? Like, you know what I mean? His, like, it's kind of that stuff. Yeah, like, the sun like, has set. Like, where are some of these people? I don't know. They had their moments in the sun. And then, you know, 15 minutes of fame is like what people get. I don't know what's going to happen with Kevin. I am not feeling in any way very anxious. I mean, no one really seemed to be. You know, Madison wasn't like, oh, should we like pull back on the nanny or like start cutting back on some of the expenses? Like nobody really acted that way. I'm kind of unsure if Madison works. I don't know if she works from home. I mean, she did. And she seemed, we all talked about how she seemed successful. She owned this home. It was a lovely home. It was, it's a little confusing to me if we're for a dual household or not. I don't know. I mean, it, but money's not been an issue for no. them is my point. And so I'm not quite sure how much this all hurts. He'll act. He'll, he'll get something. I think so. Or but, he'll, you know what? You know, I'm gonna throw out. Okay. Ready? Here's a big, here you go. Ready? Here it comes. What? It's, I'm feeling it. It's coming into my soul. He's going to write his own screenplay about Nikki's life. Meow, meow, meow. Jack. With his brother, Jack. It's a brother story. It's a story of fatherhood. Soldiers are involved. I like it. There you go. Because Nikki was sitting in on this agent's meeting. I feel like he could pitch something to Kevin. Like, you could do better just writing your own story, Kevin. Well, as an alternate. Okay, let me hear. I got my meow, meow ready. He might, you know, revive or reboot Bonanza. With Nikki as like a co-writer. Bonanza due to the vest? No, because Nikki said, why don't they make shows like Bonanza anymore? Meow, meow, meow. <laughs> All right. Yours is a little better. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. That like there's a story to be told there that he's very proud of and very close to. And with Nikki living at home now with them, there could be a lot. I'm wanting to tell Jack's lot. story, some sort of memoir, him playing some part. I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, that's how you end up. Maybe he gets that Oscar that we saw in the box. Remember, wasn't that in the cabin? Mm. Maybe. Well, I mean, there's a for, movie there. Maybe there... he gets it for writing or directing or something that's not acting. You take that, that part that they showed us in that episode, uh, the Vietnam episodes, where yes. Jack joins up, even though he's got a medical condition to mm -hmm. go and try and save his brother. Mm -hmm. You've got a movie there. You see what I'm saying? Superman. <laughs> <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. That's where I'm going with this because that's how he's going to honor dad. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I like it. I like it. Put a I pin in it. I think it was people. important because we said, why in the world is Nikki at the agent meeting? I mean, even if he was there because he was going on the little VIP tour lot, why wouldn't he sit in the lobby with like where the snacks were? Why would he come in there with the agents and listen to a business meeting? That seems highly irregular. Why wouldn't he just go sit in one of the rooms like where coincidentally Zoe is hanging on a Zoom call? Now this is my least favorite part of this episode. It stands to, you know, given what they show us in the preview, it stands to be like my least favorite little mini arc for the rest of the season. I think Zoe should have eaten shit and just been like, oh, my Zoom froze up and gone away. That would have been my preference. So she only had one major bomb to drop. Oh, it's that you have no personality and that you just mold yourself into whatever's happening around you and just pretend that that's the new thing that you like. And then we had to have the illustration of that. What with the Bridgerton v. British Baking Show. Gentlemen. Paul Hollywood, you guys, is not to be messed with. If you don't like cooking shows, then you need to just say it because they're (laughs) dumb. You think they're dumb? They're dumb. They're not entertainment. You just have someone fall asleep on your lap and you can't even reach the remote to change this goddamn cooking show off the TV. Ladies and gentlemen, disclaimer, I watch Chopped Alone and do not fall asleep on this lap. (laughs) Well, what do you think? Does it have any merit at all? I mean, were you surprised to see that that he didn't say, well, like... No, I I think it's high... I watch Bridgerton, though. I think it's very unfair for her to have said that to him. He's a 40-year-old man at this point. He's He's got a personality that he seems okay with. And everybody had a bad day. I mean, she had a bad day with her dad and, and the babies were fussy and all that kind of stuff. I mean, her dad not coming to the wedding kind of is a big, you know, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, him not finding the best script today is, you know, is is sad. And No, also he that learned movie, that his career is, is on a down. Yeah, no, I understand. Pro- and that the movie is bad. That's a big, big thing is that the movie he's been working on is really, really bad. And everyone's going to really, you know, give him bad looks here. So I don't know. In that case, what do you do if everybody had a bad day? No, I mean, let her watch the cooking show. But but I'm saying Zoe's part in it. Zoe's mm, mm, mm. words, the way that they're rattling around in his brain, screwing with him, that from the previews seem to like echo out into oh. other actions that may be coming in the next couple episodes in terms of questioning whether or not he wants to marry the mother of his children and his live-in well, not, he's the live-in, actually, because this is her Nikki, place. And Nikki, he drug a, an uncle along. I mean, I understand you got to create drama, blah, blah, blah. But this just, I mean, I don't like it. I just don't like it. <laughs> well, and you're not always a Kevin defender. And you you don't often say like, oh, man, that's not fair to Kevin. But this is not fair to Kevin. And I was, I I really yanked back when, when, when they showed the previews for next week. It's spoilers. If you guys don't want to listen, turn it off now. When they said that, like, he's actually questioning about marrying her because of all this, and Sophie is, like, on the phone, I'm like, I am pissed that they are going this direction. Like, he, this has nothing to do with that sort of age-old, like, should I marry Madison because, like, is she, like, my end-all be-all? You're 40, and you have babies with her. You have decided as a partnership here that you guys were going to give it a go as a family. I think it's kind of bullshit to pull like a marriage is a very big step. He's been married and divorced. 
I don't feel like this is like, I don't want to say marriage is not a big deal, but y'all said you wanted to be a family. Like, this is really bullshit. I want you to look at Franny and Nikki and Madison in the eyes and say, your six eyes don't compete with long ago Sophie, who I married, cheated on, and divorced. Really? See, my little guts. Oh, your little guts. My little guts believe that this is just a classic, this is us, misdirect, where they are showing these things that are going to basically amount to the process that Kevin needs to go through in order to flush these women out of his system. But they got to paint it in this way that it's like he's actually considering what his chances might be Mm. at this point should he decide to, you know, what's the word, jilt Madison and, you know, try and go find one of these other women. That's what my gut says, but they're going to make it hurt along the way and paint it in this way that that you're going to be forced to think, no, he's actually thinking about Cassidy and and, and Sophie and and whomever else. Right, whoever else crawls out of the dirt. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Sophie is particularly annoying because we had such a clear-cut ending with her. Remember in the car, talking about the end of the movie, remember Goodwill Hunting and they never watched the end and then they did, and so that was supposed to be like, closure. Yes. So that's super stupid that they're bringing this back around. Like Cassidy being pregnant would be a better storyline. Bring her ass, bring her swollen belly because Nikki's gone. So he hasn't seen what's going on with her bell bell. And the last time we saw her, the only time we saw her, she was like talking in bed. Remember she's under the covers. We don't know what's going on under the covers. When there's sex, there could be babies. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's sex smoke. Sex smoke <laughs> in the form of little babies. So I'm just saying like And maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's the misdirect. They're showing Sophie, but the reality is it's Cassidy who's going to be more of the trouble. Because that's the only thing. If you had a baby sitting there with Cassidy, trouble. That's legitimate trouble. Because now you got family versus family, all this kind of stuff. But I thought, I really felt like Madison and him had, I thought that this was a very strong agreement. That this was going to be the thing. My headcanon is that he is getting weird Kevin-y cold feet, but I want to think that he is as all in as he knows how to be. I want to think that. I respect that. And I think he is. I'm going to give him my full trust and faith that he is, he's not really going to bail out, that this is just crafty, you know, scenes from next week that's going to make us feel one way. And really, Sophie's just calling to wish him best luck on his wedding. Just a reminder, listener slash viewer, earlier this season, the previews led us to believe that Kevin had had a car accident Mm. on his way to get to Madison while she was having the babies. And they did a really good job with that because they zoomed in on his wallet laying there on the ground, which seemed like irrefutable proof that he was in the car. There was a car burning. And his wallet laying there. I mean, this was too good. So now all we have is a caller ID, please. Easily explained away. Right. Sophie's calling him to be like, congratulations. That's it. I saw you on the the magazine. Shooch. Good job. One last thing I just have to... throw out there that really cracked me up when toby doesn't want to call miguel because he doesn't want the pearson bat signal bat signal to go up oh that was fantastic that was fantastic because he doesn't have the bandwidth to deal with that 
Oh, we hear you, Toby. We hear you. Who's got any bandwidth left, Paul? Do you? No. This is Caroline. And this is Paul. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.